It's good to welcome you to Gardening Talkback. My name's Phil Bates. I'm here through to four o'clock, but with Gardening Talkback through till half past one from Walls End Community Nursery, our gardening expert, I think. I was wondering what you were going to say then, Phil. I don't think that's putting too much pressure on you, is it, David, to say (laughs) gardening expert, David Peterson. Hello, David. Good afternoon, Phil, and good afternoon to all those people out there. Well, I was away for the weekend, but yes. I understand it was a it great was perfect, weekend Phil. for getting outside Absolutely here. perfect. wasn't too bad where I was either. Mm. But when I got back, between Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, the amount of growth on the weeds, <laughs> even the weeds in my paths, in my gravel yes. beds, it was just astonishing. I know, I know. Oh. It, happens, it all happens overnight, Phil. It does, mm. it does. And if my plants grew that that fast, I, I would be a very, very happy gardener. Yes. <laughs> the number to ring is 49216216. Get in early, or if you can't get in early, write it down, because you're bound to think of something between now and half past one that you need to check out with David, 49216216. Um, everybody who rings up goes in the draw for 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback, if you'd like to be in that. Just give your uh, details to Diane when you ring up. And somebody's chosen every month for David to come around to their place and check out their garden right there and then on the spot and give you some uh, some advice. And, uh, of course, if you ring up and uh, have a question for David, you also go in the draw to win these wonderful things that David gives away at the end of the show. And I must say, David, this is a very dramatic mm, plant you've isn't got it? here. You're telling me it, it's it's... An elephant ears, but yes. it's not the usual one. No, that's right. That's right. I mean, look, we may be all familiar with the old elephant ears. I know I am because when I was a wee lad just out of oh, school. Not very long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a garden full of the old elephant ears, and, of course, they were just green in those days. But this is actually a black one. It's called Black Magic. Really, really striking, as you say, Phil, and it would be really great to actually mix this with the green one if you've got the old green ones growing in the garden because Mm -hmm. you can imagine having the green and the black uh, leaves coming up in the garden. It shoots up just like the old green one. It suckers up from the base, so if um, one tends to look a bit sad and sorry, you can just cut it off and it will reshoot from the base again, so it gives you you this clump of these beautiful elephant ears. Just one little thing, it is that it's, it's fairly frost tender, so just be a little bit careful for those people that live in frost areas, protect it. But otherwise, it just goes into more of a semi-shaded position. It will grow in the full sun, just keep an eye on it because it can sometimes burn a little bit in the full sun. So it's just simply called Black Magic. It is belonging to the elephant ears, um, really, really striking. As well as that, I'm going to give away a container of the Organics Weed Blitz. Now, I, this Weed Blitz is a fairly new product on the market. I have actually trialled this. Oh, this is the one that yes. um, Mal was talking oh, okay. about. Okay, yeah. all right, yes. So, yeah, tell us all about it's it. It's great. I've used it at home. It works very well. It is all environmentally friendly. It's made up of natural ingredients. Um, it works great. I mean, I've put it on, and look, within 30 minutes, you'll actually start to see the weed shriveling up and dying right. away. So it's really very, very fast safe once again and actually when you spray it out of the container you can, it smells like dishwashing liquid so it's got quite a pleasant <laughs>
pleasant <laughs> smell. Um, so yeah, it works really well. It works on all um, all weeds. Anything you, of course, get it onto, it will actually affect. So a bit like um, the glyphosate, mm-hmm. just be a little bit careful with it and just pop it on weeds. I used it in gravel areas and it, it works right. really, really well in between cracks in pavers. So that's a really good one to keep in mind. As well mm-hmm. as that, I've got a packet of the Kickstart. This is the garden and lawn fertiliser, as well as a tub of the Sea Organic. Now, this is the another complete fertiliser, which is organic, very, very safe to use and very, very popular. So that's, um, that's another fertiliser you can use. So that's the gift I'm giving away. Of course, at the end of the program, you've got to be listening. Right. People um, seem to be a little slow getting off the mark here today. 49216216 is our number. Lots of lines free at the moment if you'd uh, like to give us a call. Just while we're waiting for people to ring through, I just wanted to check something with you, mm-hmm. um, a question without notice. Uh, my, I don't know whether they're staghorns or elk horns, but I'm, I'm getting little holes with some frass and like a little sort of one-inch square chunk of leaf sort of attached to it. Um, how, what's causing that and how do I deal okay. with it? That, that would probably be a caterpillar because they often oh. do that. You often get caterpillars or little beetles. More so it's the caterpillar that bores its way in and, of course, it gathers this leaf to cover up where it's probably doing the damage. Oh. So basically the best treatment there is just to... Um, any general insecticides that have got caterpillars listed on the label, Phil, just mix that up according to directions and just water that through the stag because that way it gets right through the stag. Oh, and not, so like yeah, in, in behind. That's right, yes, because they often live within the actual stag or elk. So you can spray it on as well, just spray it on the surface. But the majority of the spray, if you can just water it through, will work a little more effectively. Okay. Um, Well, I'll get straight onto that when I get home. Um, We've got uh, some calls coming through and Diane's just fixing them up at the moment. So just while we're doing that, any other little jobs we should be doing around the place? Um, well, of course, there's lots of little jobs because of the amount of growth that we're getting on things yep. at the moment. Yep. So make sure, of course, you just keep the fertiliser up to them. I know that may sound a little bit silly when we're getting growth, so much growth out of things, but remembering I keep saying we're getting growth, but we're getting a lot of lanky growth. So by using the fertiliser, just one of your liquid fertilisers, uh, just popped around things, that just strengthens the growth and makes them a little more bushier than what they normally would rather than just growing for the sky. Mm. I mean, look, normally, yes, we need sun to promote good, healthy growth, but certainly if you just get in with your liquid fertilisers and um, once once every couple of weeks just do that, that just brings that growth up a bit more stronger. Right, so would liquid fertiliser be better than um, than putting on a a pelletised? No, use both, because certainly this time of the year, once we're in autumn, it's always a good idea to throw some uh, complete fertiliser around particularly something like the organic life, which, of course, is a pelleted manure, which breaks down over a period of six to eight weeks. So that would be one really good one to add on to it. And, of course, something like Flourish, which is the liquid one that you could use once every couple of weeks around your plants, and that's going to strengthen the growth at the same time. Same thing is with the lawn. I certainly don't hesitate to fertilise the lawn, even though I've had a lot of rain, because, once again, this makes the growth a lot stronger than what it normally would, because it is growing very fast and it is quite lanky at the moment. Yeah, mine. Mm. Yeah, I, I, if I had a dog, I'd be looking for it in amongst <laughs> the grass at the moment. Okay, uh, call is starting to come through. David, let's start off by saying hello to Alf from Marmong Point. Hello, Alf. Oh, good uh, morning. How are you? Good, hello, David. You. Good. How, how can I help you, Alf? David, um, I'll tell you what it is. I love growing my own tomatoes during the summer, mm. specifically tomatoes. Uh, I have some luck with them and some I don't. For some reason, every time now and then, I, I 
they don't seem to form like I, I really like and I love the cross lissy. But a friend told me that you should get in touch with a gardener and what you should do is once you find a good tomato plant, right, mm-hmm. what you should do is save the seeds, mm-hmm. right? Yes. One of the questions I'm going to ask, David, is how, how do you go about saving your seeds, say, for next year? Okay. Well, that's quite easy because all you really need to do is just once the tomato starts to mature, even a mature tomato, you just pick that and you just sit it on a saucer or something like that, break it open so that it exposes the seeds inside, just pop it on a shelf somewhere, whether it be on a windowsill or somewhere where it's protected away from any birds or anything that may get to it. And eventually that just dries up and it's, you're just left with the seed and that's your seed for next year. And you don't put them in a container or anything, or just leave the, them. The seeds, once they've matured, once once the seeds have dried, you can then just put them in a sealed container, ready for planting for next season. Right, you're a beauty. Now, one other little quick question, David. I put a fig tree in mm-hmm. about eighteen months ago. Uh, it's I'm lucky enough. I've got about half a dozen figs off it. But on the bottom of it, there's two big shoots coming off it, mm-hmm. right down near the ground. Yes. Can I cut the rollers, cut them off and just plant them? Or? No, they probably won't grow just by planting that cutting. You could try, certainly, by just cutting them off and sticking them in some seed-raising mixture. Right. But normally, you know, most figs, they do form a bushy habit, and they normally have that habit of actually bushing out from lower down. So you can leave those on if you want to, but certainly this is not also a good, a good time to be taking cuttings off. You'll need to leave those until spring of next season, until they start to reshoot again, because they'll be nearly ready to go into their dormant period now for oh, winter. Oh, right. So, and what do I spray fig trees with, David, please? Uh, what are you spraying for? What, what sort of things? Well, you... the fig tree, I noticed there's a bit of brown on them, and uh, uh, something's been eating the leaves. Okay. Well, in that case, if it's just something that's been eating the leaves, just a normal general insecticide you could use, uh, and that will just protect them against any attack of any bugs that may be getting onto the foliage. Oh, right, David. Okay, thank you very, very much. You're welcome, Alf. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Alf. Before we go to the next call, David, remind me to t- tell you later about my tomatoes. Story. Your tomatoes, very good. Yes. Uh, but next we've got Daryl from Swansea. Hello, Daryl. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, mate, uh, just a question about a uh, lime tree. Mm-hmm. It's got like a black mildewy fungus type thing growing all over it and didn't produce a lime this year. Okay. And, uh I'm just wondering what to treat it with. All right, I'd say you've probably got sooty mould, which just looks like soot that's been put all over the foliage of the tree, Daryl. So that needs to be sprayed with a product called Anti-Scale. Oh, okay. And basically, um, you may probably find there may be some ants crawling up the tree as well, as well as some little spots or lumps all on the stems of the tree. Little brown spots on the leaves. Okay. So that's what you need to do. Just get yourself some Anti-Scale. Mix that according to directions, and then just spray that all over your tree and then just make sure Daryl that you repeat that application again in 14 days just as a precaution okay no worries no I hit it with some uh, pest oil last week would that it may not be strong enough if it's really bad you may have to go to the anti-scale which is a much stronger product okay and that's at any garden shop is it it should be yes okay no worries thanks for your help thank you very much Daryl bye-bye Thank you very much, Daryl. 49216216 is our number if you'd like to give us a call. Lines have become free uh, in the last few minutes. Still in Swansea, let's say hello to Bill. Hello, Bill. Hi, David. Um, 
I've got a question for you about um, frangipanis. Yes. Uh, my daughter was cleaning out the garden at the weekend at her place and she accidentally broke a branch off a pink frangipani. Mm-hmm. She said, what can I do with it? Well, I sort of said, well, I've heard David on the, on the talkback show um, mention about cutting pieces off and um, drying them out and then replanting them. Mm-hmm. Now, I've cut them about... Oh, probably 18 inches to two foot long, the uh, ends of the branches off, and I've peeled all the leaves off and just left the little shoots on the end. Um, should you dry them out in the sun or in the shade, or you do just... they need to be shorter than that? No, you, that, that's fine. I mean, look, certainly you can take frangipanis at any uh, size cutting at all, and then you just need to throw them on the ground uh, just for a couple of weeks or so. That will actually just dry the sap up, and then you can either plant them in the spot that you're wanting to grow them in or else pot them into pots ready for next year. Okay. Um... Do you need a special potting mix at all to put them, if you're putting them in a pot? Not or? at all, not at all. You can just use a good premium potting mixture just to stick your cuttings in because they're going to lay dormant for the whole of the winter months and oh. they really won't start shooting until the weather warms up again. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So very, very easy with frangipanis. You don't need to do anything at all to the cutting. It's just a matter of sticking it straight into the ground or into a pot and just wait until they've um, shot for next year and that way you know for sure they've taken yep. and that way you can just plant them out into the garden. It will take a while for the root system to establish itself yep. uh, but certainly um, you know, they're very, very easy to grow. So do you dry them in the shade or in the sun? Or doesn't does, matter. It doesn't matter. doesn't really matter, no, not at all. Just so long as they're just placed somewhere nice and probably dry more than yep. anything, uh, just so that that sap does dry up inside the cutting. Yeah, because they're pretty milky at the moment. They, they so. would be, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, then. All Thanks right. very much for that, David. You're welcome, Bill. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you, Bill. 49216216 is our number. Just while we're waiting for the next call to come through, um, I put some compost in my garden. Mm-hmm. It's my tomato story. Um, you and actually a, got a tomato in the garden, Phil. I thought you had it in a pot. No, no, that one died. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. As all my tomatoes <laughs> normally do. And uh, what I did was um, some tomatoes came up as they do oh, in yes, the compost. Yes. Um, so I grabbed two and put them in little pots and potted them up into big pots. And, and now I've got quite a crop. Oh, of okay. uh, tomatoes that look like they're, they're sort of egg-shaped, so I'm thinking oh, they might romas. be romas. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I, might, I might not be a total failure with tomatoes. Oh, it sounds great. And I, I sprayed them with um, pineapple juice. Very good. Uh, because they're big enough to spray with pineapple okay. juice. Very I, okay. <laughs> I'm, well, How I'm, exciting. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm overcome. <laughs> uh, but I thought I'd share that with you and the no, gardeners. That's great. The yes. great. I'll let you know how they taste. Very much so, while. yes. Okay, next online, it's Julie from Whitebridge. Hello, Julie. Hello, David. How are you? Thank you. Good. I'm just ringing. I've got a little problem in my backyard. Mm -hmm. In our lawn, we're getting little mounds of dirt, Mm -hmm. and it's quite hard. I was wondering whether it would be crickets or worms. It would be just worms. We've had no trouble whatsoever with crickets this year because it's been too cold. It hasn't been warm enough for them. For any lawn insect, it hasn't been warm enough. And certainly with um, earthworms, when the soil does tend to get a little bit too wet, they often push soil up and just make little mounds on the surface. So basically, I mean, certainly you can do one of two things. You can just hose that soil back in (coughs) or else you can just sprinkle some ordinary garden lime over the ground and that will actually move them to a different position if you're too worried about it. 
about them. Oh, rightio. No, no, it's just that, you know, I was just wondering what all these little mounds mm. were. That was all. Yes. Yeah. So well, I thought it was worms. I didn't think it was crickets, but I just thought I'd better check. No, that's fine. That's what I'm here for. Oh, great. Thank okay. you very much, David. Thank you very much, Julie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, 49216216, one line free at the moment. Why don't you give us a call and grab that? As we say hello, David, to Don. Don's from Stockton. Hello, Don. Hello, David, a voice from the past. It is, yes. <laughs> I've been very disappointed in my hibiscus this year and last year. Hardly any flowers at all. Mm-hmm. Yet down the street there's a hibiscus just covered with them. I did put potash around when I pruned them in when September, October, mm-hmm. but I don't know what's happened to the... I mean, the, the bush, bushes are healthy enough, yes. but just next to no flowers. Okay. Well, Don, the only other thing you can do with potash, you can get a complete potash, which obviously you've used, but you can also get a potash that's now in liquid form, uh-huh. which actually can be diluted down and watered around them once every couple of weeks. Certainly this this year we haven't had much in the way of good sunny days. I mean, so that has affected a lot of things as far as their flowering habits go. Um, but, yeah, that would be all I could suggest at the moment, just to try the liquid potash and see what, whether that works just by adding that every couple of weeks just in your watering can. Yeah. Have you put a good complete fertiliser around them as well? I usually put the cow manure around. Mm-hmm. It's about the only one I've put around you. Yeah. Yes, you could once again just try a complete fertiliser like one of the um, the pelleted manures like the Organic Life which has got a lot of different components in it and that may just um, prove to be a little bit more successful as well for you. And it's not too late in the season? Not at all, I mean, and we've still got a good couple of months I would think oh, for good. hibiscus to flower anyway. So I get this liquid potash, is it? Yes, liquid potash? Yes, that's right. And just some organic life. That's the pelleted manure. I'll give it a go. Thank All you right. very much, Dave. You're welcome, Don. Bye Take for now. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, uh, Don. Uh, just a reminder, if you are giving us a call here, um, if you could just turn your phone, uh, turn your radio down, and uh, that way we, we don't get the feeling that you're talking to us from the bathroom, which if you want to do, that's fine with us, but, you know. Um, okay, uh, let's say hello now to Vicky from Medford. Hello, Vicky. Hello, how are you? Thank you. That's good. I'm hoping you may be able to solve our problem. We have a um, crushed tile gravel all over our front garden. Now, coming up through that, we have a purpley, green, very sticky... Um, ground cover thing coming mm-hmm. up, weed. Right. Um, and I've got all oh, that 12 beautiful white roses that I don't want to be you know, harming and tipicinas, okay. low-level tipicinas, and I'm just wondering what we can put on these without damaging anything else around them. Okay, well, good that you mentioned the roses because I could have mentioned to you just the... Um, the glyphosate products, but certainly you cannot use any of the glyphosate products around roses because they do cause deformities. So perhaps the new one that I'm recommending or giving away today, which is the Organics Weed Blitz, that may be successful because that one, once again, it's not a glyphosate product, it's a natural product, so that probably would be more effective for you. It's just available in a ready-to-use 750 mil, and you should be able to pick that up from um, good garden stores, but certainly we do have it on the show. If it work. 
Wonderful. So organic weed blitz. So that's well, not going to hurt. We've also got agapanthus yep, in the head. That's right. It was mainly the roses I'd be more concerned about because you cannot use glyphosate products around roses, oh. whereas this one, of course, you can. So. Wonderful. Okay. Well, that'll get rid of it. Very right. good. Thank you very much for Thanks, your help. Thanks, Vicky. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Vicky. Yeah, yeah that's good, isn't it? Because of that problem with glyphosate and roses and and the roots and everything. If you can use this, then um, Mm. that's that's terrific. Okay, um, who's who's up next? Dennis from Cessnock is next. Hello, Dennis. Uh, Hello, mate. No, it's both of you. What it is, mate, uh, it's not really my problem. It's the daughter's problem. She's up on the Sunshine Coast, Mm -hmm. and uh, she's got passion fruit. Oh, one passion fruit that's not doing. It's not bearing any fruit. Right. It's growing extra well, but it's not uh, getting nothing on it. It's two-year-old. All right. And uh, she's got no passion fruit on it, and uh, she never has. And uh, she hasn't had any flowers on it. And uh, she wants to know if uh, moving it would uh, make it, you know, go better or... No, Dennis, I wouldn't suggest to move it because it sounds very much like it's growing really well where it is only that it is lacking in the flowers. So all you really need to tell her to get hold of is just, first of all, some potash. She's tried that, mate. Okay. Now, also, she does need to combine it with a citrus fertiliser because a citrus fertiliser combines everything that most growing and fruiting things require. So if she still continues to use the potash, make sure she mixes the citrus fertiliser in with it because that's going to put all the elements back into the ground for her as well. Right, yeah. So, so she'll just need to continue with the potash and then just get herself some citrus fertiliser. Uh, that's, that's real good. Okay. And I've got one uh, question that I would like to ask, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, or this year, I haven't got any fruit myself, you know, of the own tree, like uh, nectarines, peaches, uh, apples, uh, even on the uh, lemonade fruit now. Oh, the grapes too, they was that. Uh, they've got bloody mildew on them. Yes. Well, look, we've had a very, very bad season as far as fruiting goes this year because we've lacked in sunny days. And that's one thing that fruit trees need is a, a lot of good sunny days to produce the flowers and then, of course, produce the fruit. So we haven't had that this year. So that's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of people have had problems with fruit trees. As far as the mildew on it, I mean, certainly they're, they're nearly ready to lose their foliage for the season now. So you can either leave that and just let them fall because once the leaves fall, that mildew will just die away. Otherwise, if you've got some Mancozeb product at home, that's a fungicide spray, just mix that up according to directions and just give your trees a spray with that and that should remove the powdery mildew from the foliage. Well, I'll put that on the... uh lemonade fruit now? Certainly it won't hurt it at all. It's a good protective covering to prevent it from getting this disease. Yeah, the fruit now is covered with uh, mildew falling off. Well certainly it would pay you to probably spray it with that. It won't necessarily cure the ones that have already got it really bad. You may probably have to pick those off and dispose of those, but certainly it will prevent it from the young ones coming on that disease from getting on to them. Righto, thank okay. you very much for that. Have a good day. I love the show. Thanks, Dennis. Bye for now. Bye. Oh, David. <laughs> Dennis turned, turned his radio back on there. Okay. Um, next up at uh, 21 minutes to one, it's Grace from Spears Point. Hello, Grace. Yes, hello, David. Um, we have um, a Strizletsia planted. Yes. And um, I want something bushier, taller. Mm-hmm. Um 
but under the under the Strizletsia is a stormwater pipe, right? Like our own, yes. um, one of those sealed plastic ones. So that's we're a bit concerned about something that gets too high. But I do want a screen plant that'll grow about two meters. Well, look, certainly things something that comes to mind straight away is just any of your lily pilly varieties because they grow very fast, very bushy. You can prune them down to any shape or size. You get a, a, an enormous range of them actually. Uh, to suit the particular purpose that you're wanting to grow them for. Uh, not, not only that, certainly the Moraes are another really good one uh, to grow. Are you, le- are you leaving the Strelitzia there or are you taking it out? I'm going to try and get it out. Yes, because, I mean, when, when you mentioned stormwater pipes, I mean, Strelitzias are notorious for going for water, so I'd are be they? getting oh. that moved straight away. Oh, it's been there a long time. Has it? It's the one you haven't had any problems already with it because oh. they, do, <laughs> they do have a fairly ferocious root system. And the other job would be getting it out because being such a large root system, it is a fairly difficult one to actually dig out successfully. So Uh, so poison maybe? Well, no, because if you go poisoning it, you're going to actually probably destroy the ground. So try and dig it out the best you possibly can first. All right. Can I ask another question? Certainly. We have um, some steps that have um, soil on either side Mm. and they're in the shade for a lot of the year. They Mm. get the sun. Part of them were in the sun now when I looked out. And in summer, they probably get a bit of sun, but in winter, they won't. So what could I plant there? Something pretty, like impatience? Well, certainly the impatience would be the first thing that comes to mind. Of course, you can get just the normal impatience, which, by the way, have finished now. And then you can get your New Guinea impatience. They're a little more upright, and they tend to be available nearly all the way through the season. Another one that's quite often not thought of, and it's a very pretty thing, is a Helleborus. It's very, very pretty. You can get them in many colours. You, you may find them around at the moment, and then again, you may not, but they're also good for part shade areas. And also, you could often think of the bromeliads, because they grow in the semi-shade quite well, and they don't require much attention once they're popped in as well. And you can oh, get okay. a good range of colours in those. Uh-huh. They're, they're only narrow, like the area yep. is only as That's narrow. That's fine. Step. Oh, okay. That's fine. Bromeliads are only a very short thing. You can control them just by cutting them back, but certainly they're lovely and colourful, yeah. uh, and they do take to smallish areas very well. Oh, all right. I'll be over to the nursery. Very good. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you, Grace. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye, David. Bye. Thank you, Grace. Uh, to Rathmines next, and we say hello to Liz. Hello, Liz. Hello, David. Uh, just a question about natives. Yes. Um, I have a very sloping backyard um, with mostly native trees, and I'm just wondering about pruning them at this time of the year because they've got quite large. Mm-hmm. Good point, because at this time of the year we've got to be very, very careful with our pruning. You should really only trim natives at the best of time, in my opinion, but certainly at this time that's all you will be doing is just trimming them very, very lightly. And basically that just puts them into a more reasonable shape to go through into our winter months, and then, of course, they will start to shoot away in the springtime, and that's when you can prune them once again, once really we heavily. hit spring. Yes. Oh, great. Okay. I've got um, peppercorn, wattle gum, flowering gums and banksia, so that applies to all of them? It certainly does. I mean, normally we wouldn't prune things like that, but if you just need to trim them just to put them into some sort of reasonable shape, yes, you could do that at this time of the year. Oh, thank you very much. That sounds great. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Liz. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Liz. To Wood Rising next, and Pamela is on the line. Hello, Pamela. Hello, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, I'm hoping you can help me. <laughs> I 
Tasmanian weed. I have got it growing everywhere in my yard. Mm-hmm. It's coming up through the pavers. It's all in the gardens. It's taken over the vegetable garden. And I was wondering the best thing to get rid of it. Well, of course, the only thing that I do normally suggest for onion weed is any of the glyphosate products because uh, they all do actually kill onion weed. It's a little bit of a tedious thing because with onion weed, we have to either paint it onto the foliage or another little trick that I've often been referred to is just wear a a pair of rubber gloves and then wear a a pair of cotton gloves over the top of them dip your fingers in the product and run your fingers up the onion weed. So that's just coating the leaf very uh, very finely. Look, certainly, Pamela, you don't have to coat it entirely. You don't have to cover every single little bit of the weed. It's just a matter of getting a little bit of the product onto that leaf and that way it goes down into the root system. Just oh, a word okay, of, so what would you recommend? Uh, just just some, any of the glyphosate products. So if you go into your nursing, just ask for a glyphosate product uh, because there's quite a number of different forms of glyphosate which are available now. Oh, now, okay. certainly, it's not just a one-off thing, Pamela. You're going to have to continually do that every time time you see the um, the onion weed pop its little head up again you're going to just have to hit it then eventually you'll get that product down into the bulb and it will actually die away for you Oh, okay. Then I keep trying to pull it out and dig it out. No, that's the worst thing to do because <laughs> oh, okay. the, moment, the moment you disturb an onion weed, you disperse all the tiny little bulblets from around the main one and that's why your problem gets bigger and bigger. Oh, okay then. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll pop down and, and get some then. Very good. Thank you very much, You're David. welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Pamela. Uh, David, we've had uh, an inquiry. Could you just mention again the name of the weed spray that you're giving away in the Certainly. pack today? It's just an, an, an Amgro product, which is called, and then it's an organics product, and it's just simply called Weed Blips, and it's available in a 750ml ready-to-use container. Weed Blips. Mm. Okay. Um, let's see, on the line with the time at nine minutes to one, we've got Kevin from Elibana. Hello, Kevin. Hello, David. Um, I've, uh, I've got agapanthus and, um, red hot pokers. Mm. Do you mind if I, um, divide them? Well, well, certainly you can divide them. I wouldn't do the red hot pokers just at the moment because they should be in flower at the moment, red hot pokers. Um, finished. Okay, so I would leave the red hot pokers until springtime to split those up. Certainly, if you must do the agapanthus, you could do those during autumn, but just bearing in mind that you won't get a great deal of growth after you do split them up this time of the year. So once again, the better time to do those uh, is spring again. So you've got the rest of the season for them to grow back in. Yeah, they're getting really um, large. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, as I said, I mean, look, you can, you can do them, but don't expect too much growth for when you do move them and split them up at this yeah, okay. time of the year. Mm-hmm. Thanks, David. All right, you're welcome, Kevin. Bye-bye now. Thank you indeed, Kevin. Um, next up, Sandra from Lemon Tree Passage. Hello, Sandra. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. Did not say so. Well, I hope your back's better than it was last week when I saw you. Yes, thank you. It's much better. I can actually, actually sit and stand with a bit of ease at the moment. Pleased to hear that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, hydrangea cuttings, yes. can I do it at this time of the year? 
Well, you can, but I mean, normally the best time to do it, of course, is during the growing season. They're really going into their dormant period mm. now. So, of course, by doing cuttings now, you won't get a great deal of growth out of them. So they may just sit there. So you're probably better to wait until the next season of growth okay. um, to, to start taking. So it, do you need to take them at the moment? Oh, it's just that, yeah, I was trimming them up and... Oh, okay. No, well, look, certainly pop them in. I mean, there's not going to be any harm, particularly when you're trimming them back, but certainly um, the better time to do them would be from from next season, next spring season, uh, so that they're going to shoot away nicely for you. Okay, then great. All right. Yeah, and another question? Yeah, sure. To to make a fish tank terrarium, I've got a fish tank that we're not using Mm -hmm. and I've decided I'd turn it into a terrarium. Can I use succulents? You can use succulents as long as the the position of the terrarium is going to go into a fairly uh, sunny sort of position inside. Otherwise, if it's outside, that would be perfect. Uh, But certainly, yes, make sure you've got that really good drainage material in the bottom of your terrarium. So make sure you use quite a lot of charcoal because that's excellent because it also keeps the soil nice and sweet. Yeah, I see no reason why you couldn't use succulents in a terrarium. As I said, so long as it's nice and um, very well lit and sunny. Yeah, a light fluorescent tube wouldn't help? Probably not with succulents. You would probably need more natural light with those. Okay, then. No worries. And do you keep the charcoal? Uh, we certainly do in small oh, bags, yes. Right. Okay, then. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Okay, take Bye-bye care. now. Bye. Thank you, Sandra. Next on the line, yes, we're <laughs> just waiting for the call to go on hold there. Carlene from Kurumbong is next. Hello, Carlene. Hi, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, two questions. We have some gardenias at the front of the house, and I, it looks like a black, like a sooty mould or something on them at mm-hmm. the moment. Yes. So I'm assuming that's from all the rain, and mm, I'm not sure, but... Not necessarily. quite established plants. Yes. Because we haven't been there very long, and I've pruned off what I can and put in the in the bin, but I'm not sure how far to prune them. Okay. Well, just be a little bit careful with pruning gardenias too severely at this time of the year because, once again, it's a light pruning time at this time of during autumn, so we only mm-hmm. just lightly prune. Look, you've, okay. got a pr- you've got a disease on them which is just simply called sooty mould, and it's caused by not only the very damp weather, but also there could be just... Um, uh, they may be under a bit of stress because of all the wet weather. So if you can try and get yourself some anti-scale, because that's basically used for uh, this problem, the sooty mould as well as you've probably got some scale on your plants as well. So yeah, you'll mix you'll mix, yeah, you'll mix this up according to directions, Kayleen, and just spray that onto your gardenias to the fact where it's not actually dripping with the product. So just lightly spray them. And then you'll just need to go over them again in 14 days' time and just do exactly the same thing to them. Okay, great. Um, my next question was, we've got another area of the yard where it's um, it becomes quite boggy. Right. Um, I think it's just the runoff from the surrounding houses just seems to pool there. Mm-hmm. At the moment, um, there's some quite old hydrangeas there and they're very, there's a lot of dead wood and they're very leggy and I have pruned them back and they've got new shoots but I'm just in case they don't come good, what else 
could we put in a situation like that? It gets mostly afternoon sun. All right. Well, mo- lunchtime yes. on. Okay. Well, mostly the things that take fairly well to moisture in the garden, particularly if it's out in the sun, are things like bottle brushes. Any of the bottle brushes will grow mm-hmm. there for you, or even melaleucas. There are two varieties of natives that will take very well to wet areas. There is another one that's the casuarina or she-oaks, but, I mean, they will grow fairly large for just keeping in those those in mind for wet so areas. this is right right next to the house. Yes. Now, well, I'd, I'd go for yeah. bottle brushes because these days you can get so many different types of bottle brushes growing different sizes, so mm-hmm. it might be wise to look into something like that for that area. Is there anything that's um, n- not native that we can put there because there are Quite frankly, there are absolutely no natives in this established okay. garden whatsoever. Well, not really for the sun that comes to mind straight away. It would be a lot okay. of probably um, uh, trial areas. I mean, certainly if you can build the ground up, say you're elevating the ground, that may be more successful, and then you could go to other shrub-like things, but certainly you would have to do that first. Okay, all, all right. right. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, Kayleen. Okay. Bye-bye Bye. now. Thank you, Colleen. And um, the time's three minutes to one. I just wanted to talk to you, David, a little bit about the follow-up spraying mm-hmm. thing, um, because I, I was I got out yesterday when I got home, and as, as well as being abhorred, appalled, I think is the word I'm seeking, at all my weeds, um, that I needed to do a, a two-weekly sort of backup spray on some uh, scale that, that was around the place. Um, so what we're trying to do there, as I understand, is break the life cycle yeah, of, of, of right. insects. So is two weeks a, a good rule of thumb for, for following up? It is for most sprays. I mean, look, certainly, I mean, it's not imperative that we do the second spray. And I mean, I've, as you probably know, over the years, I've always suggested to follow up with another mm. spray because... Mm. Personally, by experience, I mean, I, I have sooty mould at home. I think I mentioned this on the air a couple of weeks ago about a beautiful big standard ficus, variegated yes. ficus that I've yes. got covered in sooty mould. And I did spray it two weeks ago and it hasn't really moved at all. And so that's why I got in at the weekend and sprayed it again with the anti-scar to see whether I can shift it. But remembering also with sooty mould, it doesn't sometimes fall off naturally. You've got to hose the plant down after a week or so, and that sometimes right. get that, gets that black sooty mould off. But, yes, two weeks is always a good time because most of the products that when we spray them is only going to last two weeks on the plant. So this is why I often suggest to give it a, another follow-up spray in 14 days' time. So that's the only reason I do that, just so that we make sure, because it's not going to harm the plant, even if the plant you know, completely clean yep, of the yep. disease. There may be disease there that you can't see, but certainly by spraying it the second time, it is going to cover all bases, so to speak, uh, in case there is still a little bit there. And if there's not, well, yes, you're protecting the plant against disease uh, in the future couple of mm. weeks. So, yeah. So you've got a little bit of that preventative That's right, stuff yes, along, yeah. yes. And um, I'm also thinking, particularly in thinking about my natives, that that it's the weak plants that tend to get a, a, attacked. Yep, so when I'm right. spraying them, shall I also be, be feeding them perhaps? Uh, well, this is always a good idea, just bearing in mind that they are in distress by, by having the disease on them. So just be a little careful with feeding. Don't mm. probably feed them to the full extent no, of what they just, recommend. Just a light. Just a light, light feeding will promote them. And, of course, remembering the healthier the plants, the less chance
chance they have of getting pests and diseases. Just like us, if we're nice and healthy, we're less <laughs> chance of getting a cold or whatever. But, right. uh, but yes, yeah, so we can treat plants exactly the same as that. Excellent.